Welcome to the Black Appalachian Coalition's podcast entitled Black Remembering, where we will bring to you the heavy and the hope across the Ohio River Valley. We want to remember who we are, where we've come from. We want to speak to the oral history of what we've done, what we've achieved. We want to speak to the ills that we have experienced while also finding solutions to those problems, those issues. We want to deal with the narrative that has kept us deeply rooted in despair. Now we want to punch through that narrative and stand up and say, we are remembering our black past and we are rooted and we are here to stay. Welcome to Black Remembering. We hope that you find your place, your space, and your voice in this podcast. I am Marie Cochran, having my old friends, new friends introduce themselves. We are three Black women sitting around with a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning talking about the importance of Black spaces. Um, my name is Nicole Doyle, and I am a homeschool advocate and a parents' right advocate. I am the co-founder of the Georgia Black Home Educators Network, um, a organization founded to create community and a sustainable ecosystem of Black educators that can serve home educating families. I currently serve my community as the president of DeKalb Christian Home Educators. It is a homeschool co-op located in Stone Mountain, Georgia, been around since 1989, and I am president number eight. That's a lot. And I am so proud that we have um, a woman who's a mother and an educator at the table. The reason why we're actually sitting here is because my dear friend, Kelly Jolly, who is a phenomenal musician, has also graduated. So this is part of her graduation celebration that we're having. So I'm going to have her introduce herself. I'm Kelly Jolly. I am an ukulele playing singer of traditional African-American music. That means I sing jazz and blues and spirituals and folk music. And I'm also a storyteller and radio show host on an NPR affiliate station in Knoxville, Tennessee. My show is called Jazz Jam. It's on WUOT. I'm the founder of Yucasphere Ukulele Club and the Women in Jazz Jam Festival. And I believe in living life creatively. So I'm not going to start the list of things I like to do. If you can think of anything creative you like to do, I probably like to do it too. So this is a different political and social environment that we're in now that is quite honestly anti-Black. Could you talk about maybe just to begin some of your memories of Black spaces that shaped you or gave you joy and gave you confidence? Because a lot of times, you know, we talk about the current day things that are affecting us. And, you know, even when we were talking earlier before I decided to hit record, you know, we, can, we could continually come up with these things that are pressing on us and attacking our sense of peace. But some people don't even know what we're trying to achieve because they haven't had those spaces in their lives, especially some of the younger people in our life. 
So this this question brings me back to experience I had with uh, a group that came to Knoxville for big years, and they were asking us in the in the Knoxville community, what are our black monuments? You know, the things that we hold hold dear. And so for me, my home space was my was my black space because my parents brought into my life a network of adults and other families and and other neighbors who came together and gathered all the time. We gathered for uh, big whiz parties and we gathered for fish fries. And that meant that every weekend after cleaning house and washing cars, we were off to somebody's space to hang out all day together. And so that's why I have lots of people in my, who are close to me, who I consider family, who are not blood related to me, but I grew up with them. And um, whether it was, my parents' best friends, the card player friends, um, or my mom's alumni from Wilberforce alumni group who are like my aunts and, un aunts and uncles, or even my dad's friends and taking us to the bowling alley every Saturday and being friends, still being friends with those people uh, 40 years later. Mm -hmm. So my home life was like my space. And I think I compare every experience to how right. I grew up and I compare other spaces to the spaces that were created for me by my parents. So my safe space was school. First of all, I grew up in Metro Atlanta. And so in Metro Atlanta, everybody, the mayor's black back then, you know, police chief's black, <laughs> you know, the head of the police, uh, uh, um, the, the sheriff, everyone was black. So I literally saw representations of myself everywhere. But my safe space was school. And so I went to Burgess Elementary um, in Atlanta, Georgia, it's the APS school. And Samuel Bako was the, was the um, principal back then. And I remember that the school always smelled like potpourri. Everything was, Black history was not February. It was like, hey, as we're talking about curriculum, going through the curriculum, you see yourselves and hey, guess what? Let me tell you about this and tell you about that. I had one teacher, she used to equate Black history to a testimony. She said, girl, let's talk about our overcoming story. And that was Ms. Mosby. I remember her. And so Ms. Mosby, <laughs> and so back then they used to make us stay in class two years in a row. So you had your teacher for two years in a row. Oh. So you would have fourth grade, fifth grade, same teacher. And this was specifically done for you to get to know your teacher, like your auntie. She's mm -hmm. teaching me every day. This, um, uh, we would have Black History, the Living Museum, you know, the Wax Museum. Mm -hmm. um, it was also about community. They allowed people in the community to use um, the washer and dryer if they needed to use it. They gave out food for the kids that were going home on weekend. They did haircuts. And everything was under the umbrella of we're here to care, but we're not looking down our nose at you. You're not cherry. We mm -hmm. are all a part of community. And so being a homeschool person, everybody automatically thinks I am anti-public school. I am not anti-public school because I feel like at times I'm trying to recreate Burgess Elementary yeah, yeah. and make sure that kids have that space. My, my model is that I, we are about uninhibited Black child joy, to be in a space, to laugh hard, to, to have friends. Little And so we really want that to be for our kids so that they can be like, I feel comfortable in my skin just existing. And I think that's what the world is making our kids feel uncomfortable just being an existing man. 
Well, we're mixing this conversation between, you know, Appalachia and other urban areas outside of the region because we're really talking about a goal that we're all trying to achieve. Because, you know, in my own experience, it was my kitchen table. Um, it was my home, but it was also, you know, the extended, you know, uh, cultural part of the church where we got to go to different, you know, we had the, the Baptist Association and we had the youth organizations that would teach you how to have leadership skills and you meet new people and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, I grew up, you know, in uh, the predominantly historically white school system. I did not have that black school experience, but I had an educational cultural experience in my community. And especially, like you said, you know, in my house, it was all the people that came through, sat in the living room, cousins and people coming through on the summers and different kinds of stories that we would share. And stories were an essential part of telling our black history because my parents would come home from work and tell me all kinds of things I was not learning in class. I knew upwards and downwards what sharecropping was by the second grade because they told me about you know land that they had. We went over to the places where they had worked and lived you know, they talked about losing land and that's why it was so important for us to purchase property um, where my parents now have lived for more than 50 years, you know, and that's, you know, an important thing as part of my artwork to think about how to recreate that. And one of these dreams I know that all of us have talked about is a way to connect these things and so that we know what's going on and we can support each other. How do you think that might enhance our lives now? How do you think that these efforts to create independent educational experiences or you know, work as an artist can sustain these things that we hold dear? I mean, what are you thinking about ideas? Even if it's not happening now, how can we work together to make that happen? Well, I think in the homeschool community, I am watching so first of all, the public school system, especially in the South, is held up by Black women being teachers, <laughs> point blank. So there's so many Black women who are amazing educators. And what we're seeing is that even though they're exiting the school system, they're not exiting education. Many of them are starting their own educational entrepreneurship um, in ventures or even like starting their own schools or micropods or co-ops. And, and they're continuing to be educators in our community. It was interesting when you just said land ownership is important to I'm watching a lot of families say, you know what? Intellectual ownership of my children's education and of, their, of the rearing of them in a healthy spiritual way. That they're like, that the children truly, not just know where they come from, but they love themselves and they're okay with their quirks. I, you know, I have a joke. We always say, one of my kids said, I feel quirky. And I said, baby, don't worry about it. Quirky apples fall from quirky trees. So guess what? you are good <laughs> with this family because this is who we are. <laughs> so, so, But you said something really important and I'm glad you said it. It's ownership in whatever form that happens. Yes. Because if, you know, the ultimate is to own a piece of dirt, to have something where it's yours. You can tell people you are not welcome here. I'm going to shut my door. I don't want to fool with you <laughs> or whatever. It's like, you know, this is my space, but any type of ownership is important. It's true that one of the goals 
was to integrate into the existing system because we had been denied access to resources. But when you rely on someone being your boss, it's their company. Mm -hmm. Even with social justice, people can tell you, we no longer need your services. You can have this great job with the salary, but you work for somebody else. I believe that we need to create our own goals and create pipelines to those goals um, based on our own aesthetics, our own beliefs, our own values, um, because I'm not trying to build myself up to fit into your system. And so even in the, in the programs and the musical programs that I've created and different community initiatives I've started, it's all about finding what I need. Like I'm creating things that fit me. I'm in my 40s and I've all my life been kind of like anti-establishment and I didn't follow a path that er that people thought I should follow or do what people thought I should do. And it's, and you know, just recently I felt validated by my mom because she was like, look, you made your way and nobody could tell you what to do. And I was like, wow, did I just become an adult? <laughs> I'm not going to try to tell you you're wrong. I'm not going to try to tell you that you shouldn't do that or have worries about you making a decision because I don't think that people are going to understand you, which I feel like is what she probably thought. But it's like she, we had a truce now. It's like, you did it your way, do your thing. And that's where she is. She's, I feel like, made peace with that. And I feel like in ourselves, though, we have to make peace with going a, in a different direction, make peace with making our own paths and and it may not be something that you saw other people do. It may not be anything that you even know how to do, but it's okay to not know. Like you said, it's okay to like learn along the way. Yeah, we were just talking about it's okay that I don't know everything when I'm homeschooling. Because sometimes, a lot of the times, it's more interesting if we all approach it as we're trying to learn something. And when you were talking about the, the just taking a different pathway. This is where I, I taught the parents about the flexibility in letting your child be who they are and spending your time just trying to reinforce their giftings, giving them space for their giftings. So, you know, I've had kids to do a little bit of everything. You know, somebody played the violin, there was the viola, there was the cello, there was the ukulele, there was the piano, there's the drums. You know, they, they just dabbling in all things. There was a, um, a beat making class on how to make beats for hip hop. You didn't have a child say, I want to do robotics and then you want to do this. In the process, it was basically letting children have an educational sampler of the things to find themselves along the way. And it does take a certain level of, of not just ownership, but at the same time of giving your child the freedom to kind of explore some things educationally. And yes, people are gonna look at you and be like, what are you really doing over there? I mean, what are y'all doing? Y'all knitting now? But <laughs> if that's what she wants to do, we're still doing math and science and those type of things. But you're just letting that child be good with who they are because I don't care what race you are, the world will tell you something is wrong with the way you you're, you're, you naturally are at times. Yeah. And so I... I do like home, home education consulting for families. And so 
one of the things um, I've talked to parents, I said, your child deserves a curated educational experience. Like the same way people go into a museum and all the artwork is specifically put together in a way where you can come in and view and, and create a narrative. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and the docent is to everything is working together. Your child deserves a curated education experience that grows them spiritually, intellectually, and physically. And so many times, that's why so many Black families are pulling away. You know, we went from 3.3% of the homeschooling population to 16.1%. And now we're going like past 19% at this point of the homeschooling population. The fastest growing population of home educating um, people are Black families. And why is that? Because we're feeling like, you know what? We tried it y'all way to, to go into your system. Now it's trying to create our own. And there's nothing wrong with creating your own. I want to I want to jump in real quick and say something because you know even as we're talking specifically about our own you know specialized interests even though and they're broad because you can you'll mm -hmm. begin to hear some overlap. I'm thinking about the fact that I've got two ideas. First of all, is that as all of us um, explore our interests, and Kelly was talking about the ukulele as an example, um, and I will throw in real quickly the banjo that in the past there have been things that have been deemed things that are black things and things that are mm -hmm. not black things. And as we learn more about history and even about the Appalachian region, we're sitting in Tennessee, East Tennessee right now, is that there's a connection to those things that's black. Anything we can name in a worldwide context, the banjo has African roots, but even if we talk about all these other things, whether it's mountain exploration and science and all these other things. And I also want to say that, you know, we're talking about with children, I like this idea of lifelong learning mm -hmm. that, that as a black community, we haven't talked about enough because we spend so much of our time just trying to make a living and working. But then you think about incredible people who become artists after they stop their nine to five, or they've been doing things all along, and then they get a chance to explore it later in life. And I think that's something else that we as a community ought to encourage and create spaces for, because people who might have sewed because they had to then can take that sewing and create these things that have nothing to do with apparel. Yeah. So this kind of like piggybacks a previous question, but I, I wanted to say that part of having the ownership is having an ownership narrative. I just graduated with a degree, a master of art degree in communication storytelling studies, connecting that to my performance and music and singing and jazz and all that. But I have been taking this time to like reflect on my own career and my life and really seeing what my story is. And I have started writing my story about myself from before I was born because my parents, I'm not the beginning of my story. Like my, your birth is not even the beginning of your story. Your story is, you, you're born with a history, I would say. So you're born with, or with a history already. My name and everything. I tell a story about my name and how my mama made up my name. And she was like, my mom, um, I'm, I'm made by design of my mom and dad, but <laughs> she created this persona, but 
she wanted me to have, a, she wanted me to be a Kelly because she felt like if they're most, most of the time Kelly's are white girls that get, that do things and get things. She was like, I'm going to have a black Kelly and she's going to be treated just like the other Kelly's. And so that, that history is, is mine and it started before me. And so that's why I say my history started before me. But, um, but we all have a story and a narrative. And so we should pay attention to the, the story we have lived and the story we want to live. And what do we need to do to be able to live that, that story? Like, and then we have to think about the stories that, we, that are outside of us that we let affect us. And we, like Nicole and I were, just, were talking about this yesterday, like we have to like have a membrane, like some things need to come in and some things need to stay out. Right. And like what things, the things that I'm gonna let inside the membrane are the things that are gonna like help me and nurture, heal, nurture me or mm-hmm. heal me or whatever. But we can control the, the narratives that we let uh, uh, affect us and the narratives that we tell ourselves and the narratives um, that we wanna accept. So I think that's part of our ownership too, is the, to do that. And I think that, that that controlling that language that we use in telling our stories is important. That's why we now know about the story of, of the banjo. That's why we now talk about Black in Appalachia because we're taking back the stories. We're, we're claiming ownership of the narrative. You don't have to be rich. Not to be a certain economic status. Mm-hmm. Everybody can claim their own story. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought it back to that because I think that's a way we can frame and, and summarize this conversation. My parents did not sit down and intentionally say, I'm giving you Black history at the dinner table. They were just unleashing the feelings and emotions they had coming back from that textile factory. And they were able to connect with their children in their space in a home that they built. And that was just a ritual of us being able to hear that from them and then to repeat it to the point where I can now repeat those stories. And they told us the things that would inform us to give us strength going into those classrooms with those white teachers and those white kids Mm. who had no understanding of what we've been through and who we are. So I like that idea of the membrane because it's flexible. We can see through it, but we're also protected inside of it. That's that nurturing, because that's what we should be doing for ourselves in everything. You know, It's not just the good food we eat, hopefully, and the other things that we do to care for ourselves, but also to be intentional and to think closely about who we are, who we want to be, mm-hmm. you know, what we're, doing all of this stuff there's a lot to think about in our conversation but I like the idea that we said it's about you know ownership and self-determination any final thoughts so this is Nicole Doyle the the homeschooling advocate I am really enjoying this part of homeschooling where I am back to the the, as you were saying, the circle of elders who can sit and have stories with my children can fill in the gaps on their history and have these conversations. And so one thing about, you know, we love formal education. Formal education is very, very important. But another component of the, of what I found to be very pivotal in home, Black home educating is that I am watching more families be deliberate 
about really speaking to um, those in their community who are subject matter experts, who are elders, who have some life experiences that not necessarily written down in a book. It's not really in any curriculum. And so that is a part of it because the only way your children are gonna love community is if you show them the people of the community and be around them. And lots of times people put their kids in activities on the other side of town, away from community. And what you're not recognizing is that the community will grow stronger because the kids have a love for the people that have a love for them in the community. It's, it's going to be an ecosystem and it's going to work. So, because form, let's be honest, internet has all form of education. You can find anything you want, order curriculum. But I think the narratives, like Carolyn was talking about, the narratives, the stories that they are able to tell in their own way, that's the richness of us getting back to really having the education of getting it from those who've experienced it. This is Kelly. I would just like to remind everybody that if we don't support, we don't exist. And the kind thing, a generous thing, a godly thing that we could do for each other is just be here for each other and support, support each other through our, our celebrations, our, our challenges, our defeats, and um, just help each other make it through every day. That's the thing that I look for is to have a story that includes all the people that helped me survive this survive this life so far. <laughs>